The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Pod on the Tyne, your go-to Newcastle United podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. Coming up on this week's show. Newcastle seal 1-0 victory over Crystal Palace with Mitchell own goal. Hang on, no, sorry, there's a check coming in. Newcastle were in fact held to a goalless draw on a woeful weekend for VAR. And George was back at Kingston Park for another women's game, but that didn't exactly go to plan either. Yes, hello. Welcome to Pod on the Tyne. You will go to Newcastle United podcast from The Athletic. My name's Taylor Payne, and I am joined uh, by Chris Woff and the latest... Uh, to throw his name into the hat for the new James Bond role, Mr. George Colgan. How the devil are you, George? Are you all right? Do you have a license to kill? Perhaps I've lost my sex appeal. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, indeed, George. Uh, You were at the women's game, weren't you? And somebody saw you and described you on Twitter. And how did they describe you, George? Uh, I I mean, I just really wouldn't like to say, Taylor. I mean, I'm far too modest. Really, but I mean, I, but I was described. Go on. But I was described <laughs> as James Bondesque, I believe. I'm, um, so uh, I mean, yeah, it's just very, very rare that people get stuff like that so completely and utterly right. <laughs> so I, um, I would like to give a shout out to Toon Lowdown. That's Tom. George Culkin walked past me at the ladies' game today. What a slender, handsome man! James Bond vibes. <laughs> I didn't bother him naturally. Outstanding. Yeah. So did, did did he have a did he have a Labrador with a high vis jacket on with him? I mean, I wouldn't or? like to say Taylor. Let's just move on at this point. And um, yeah. So oh, there's going to be a lot of anger. There's going to be a lot of anger on this show. I feel so. Um, let's just start off with a nice little interlude. A bit of joviality to start with. Chris Woff, how the devil are you, sir? Are you all right? I'm angry as well. I mean, I'm angry at the world, but I'm I'm, I'm, I'm angry at George as well. And I'll tell you why I'm angry at George. And I've held off saying this until now. It's been building up over the course of the last few weeks. But on match day at St. James's Park, I've been bringing different types of sweets before before the game for us to share. And George has done so once and brought some sweets. And he thought that that was fine, you know. Could be. Every single time I bring sweets or a snack of some form, he whinges about whatever it is, having brought nothing of his own to, to, to the party. So at the weekend, my... Uh, I even went. I went. To, I went to M and S, you know, and I got uh, Percy Pig's fizzy tails, and I also got things are going well. And I, and I also got. I got wine gums, and he still whinged about what I brought. It's like, <laughs> what do you want? What do you want, George Culkin? So you you stop whinging and bring your own sweets next time. I just want a martini. I want a vodka martini, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> how are you, Taylor? Anyway, come on. How are you? I'm fucking furious, George. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Fucking living. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, we've got to the do laughter it. The laughter is it. basically masking the, the absolute rage that is boiling inside <laughs> of me today. I'm telling you. Oh, my God. Uh. Um, 
Yeah, shall we shall we get started with this? Because I feel like it's going to be a, a heavy one, this one, <laughs> and we're going to have to talk about it eventually. Okay, Newcastle uh, held to a, a goalless draw at home at Crystal Palace, and that in itself isn't such a weird thing. But we are denied a perfectly good goal, down to the video assistant referee. And yet again, we are seeing these decisions happen in the Premier League at the top level of football and it's just not good enough, is it? It isn't. I mean, it was a very strange moment within the stadium when it happened because the goal went in and I sort of tweeted that, that there was a goal and then there was almost silence as if as if nobody knew what was going on. It was it, I thought it was rather odd that sort of fat three, four seconds after the goal. Not only Castle players, nobody really celebrated instantly. Um, and obviously that's because there was an incident in, in, in the pitch and they, they were, I think they were worried about Joe Willock and also Vincent Guide. obviously the two of them seemed to go down with head injuries and then the goal was initially given and then the referee is told to go across to to the screen to, to, to look at the incident and he disallows the goal on the basis seemingly that Willock fouls Gaida. now seemingly either they didn't have the angles or they didn't review the fact that um, Willick looked to to receive a little bit of a nudge in the back from 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 Tyler Mitchell, which how was adamant took his momentum into the player, and I'd agree with that because it was obviously Mitchell who ended up putting the ball in the back of the net. Anyway, it was an own goal in that sense, and so that they've disallowed it on the basis that Joe Willick has fouled Vincent Gaida. Now I think that's completely wrong. I think the goal should stand. I'm not as strong on the opinion as some people are that it should definitely be a penalty. I don't think that the nudge necessarily warrants a penalty of its own accord, but I don't think the goal should be disallowed. I just I just don't understand how the goal is disallowed. I think it was a ridiculous decision. And yes, I can understand why. I mean, I am not one of the conspiracy theories myself, but I know that a lot of people are starting to, to join in that club. I don't think it was a conspiracy theory. I just think it was terrible officiating. Well, yeah. I mean, if, if we're talking about conspiracy, we have to just go back. We have to go back a week to Wolves, where Wolves had a goal ruled out correctly for a for a push on Ryan Fraser. If we remember that, now that was a clear and obvious error, and Newcastle. I don't want to use the word benefited from it because it was it was just the right decision. So it's you know it's not it's there's no conspiracy here. There are two things that make me really annoyed. I wasn't massively annoyed at the time. I watched the game. I know you were in level seven. Taylor, I was in the Gallagher corner. I just wanted to watch the, watch the game there for a change. I had no fucking clue what was going on. I had no idea. Yeah. And so we're still, and obviously from, from that position, you can't see the screen. And, you know, we're told that there's a check going on. But I still, I, I, I can't stand that moment where the people who've paid a shit ton of money to get, to get to see that game have no idea about what's going on in the game, about, you know, about why something has been disallowed or not disallowed, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's that's my first thought. The second thought is, you know, we keep hearing that it's not the VAR that's the problem, it's the people who are implementing it that's the problem. I don't know if I agree with that because you've got this... If if, if VAR, if all VAR and TV does and Goline technology does is help in matters of fact, I'm really... I'm fine with that. You know, it's great. Goline technology, that's fine. That's a that's a matter of fact. If a ball crosses the line, mm. that's a fact. Offside, theoretically, is a fact because you know it just is. Whereas fouls, they're, they're matters of interpretation. Most of football is interpretation, and I don't care about referees making mistakes. I expect it. Some of the time, I welcome it because it adds to the gaiety of of the match. Alexander Isak arguably made the biggest mistake of the game on Saturday. 
Uh, I make a mistake in absolutely every single thing that I write and do. <laughs> um, managers make mistakes in terms of selection. I don't mind mistakes. I expect referees to make mistakes when the game is so free-flowing and quick. What I object to is those subjective decisions that are taken in a split in a split second, then being given to somebody else to make a subjective decision, getting it wrong. And then in the case on Saturday, it then going back to the referee, who then makes another subjective decision and gets it wrong. Albeit that because I would argue because he wasn't showed the right the right angle of the of the goal, the disallowed goal. It's fucking nonsense. Football is subjective. A lot of it is subjective. What you don't need to do is take away the referee's authority and give it to somebody else who then still gets it wrong. That's I mean that's yeah, what I that's what absolutely. I that's what I hate about the system. It's giving more people more opportunities to get something wrong. And that spoils it spoils the it spoils the flow of the match. Again, I what I'm most angry about is talking about VAR, not VAR in the first place. But we talk about it because it's being used in such a fucking idiotic way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I'm still trying to put this all together in my head because I'm I'm still absolutely livid about the whole thing. You're right, I was up in I was up in level seven on the balcony when it happened and I saw I saw Joe Willard get sort of bundled onto the floor. And my first reaction was was that there was a foul on Willock, but I didn't really see it that clearly. Then I realised the ball's gone in the net, so obviously we celebrate as if it's a goal. But then that little lull straight afterwards where, and this is what VAR has done to football uh, and done to football fans. It makes you doubt the game and it makes you suddenly think, hang on a minute, maybe there's something wrong here. It robs you of that moment. And instead of you being able to celebrate a goal with the the emotion and the passion of which, which you normally would, that gets taken away from you. Now, I'm sorry, but I'm a football fan, and if those moments are taken away from me, then there's fucking no point in going to a game of football anymore, because you you go for those moments. That's what you want. The the the, the goal. I know we're gonna. There's other incidents this weekend that have had a lot of. A, a, a lot of publicity. The the goal by uh, McAllister for Brighton, one of the best goals I've ever seen in my life. If you'd been in the stadium that day and you'd had that goal taken away from you, you would be absolutely devastated because you don't get moments like that very often as a fan. Now, the problem I have with VAR is that it's a gift that's been given to the officials to help them. And we've said for years that these officials needed help because they couldn't do it on their own. Now, They've, they've been given this gift and they don't know how to use it properly. You've got somebody sitting in a box yeah. somewhere making decisions for a man who's 10, 15 yards away from the ball. That, to me, is mental. It is absolutely ridiculous. Now, how they can look at that replay and not give anything apart from either an own goal or a foul on Joe Willock is beyond me. And I'm absolutely fucking sick of it now because it's spoiling the game. It's spoiling the game of football that we love because they're making decisions and to, to not give the ref all of the angles. I don't care if it takes an extra 30 seconds. Show him what he needs to see to be able to come to a decision because if you don't give him the angles, how is he supposed to make a decision? You can't just show something from one angle and go, there you go, that's all you've got. If, if we've got cameras all over the stadium now, which we have, and you can see an incident from five, six different angles, make them available to the ref. If it needs to be split-screen technology, if it needs to be looked at on two or three monitors, show him the fucking angles and give him the best chance to make the decision. 
because we're we're not helping refs with this. So here's here's what I would say, right? And maybe this is a bit controversial. But if what had happened on Saturday, the referee sees that in real time. Maybe there's a few players in the way. Maybe there's a few play. There's a player in the way of the assistant, the linesman, and all the referee sees is Willock clattering into the goalkeeper, and he rules that out as a goal straight away. I I don't mind. I mean, I would have been annoyed if I see the replays a bit later on. Yeah, it's not the mistake that angers me. It's it's the mistake on top of another mistake and giving other people opportunities to make mistakes. It's pointless. That's not that's not what VAR is for. It's supposed yeah. to be clear and obvious and it's supposed to it should be quick. It should be instantaneous. Another thing that I think so I, so I, I I was I was at the uh, the women's game yesterday as you said at the top and I was uh, Steve Harper was there and we were chatting about it. He was talking about this is a slightly separate issue, but he was talking about putting time limits on VAR decisions. Because if you can't if you can't sort out, you know something like that within ninety seconds, for example, that might not be the best example. But if you can't sort out something like this in ninety seconds, it's not clear and obvious, and it's just gone so far away from what it should have been doing in the first place. That's you know that's it is now it is now re-refereeing games, and that's not what it was supposed to do. It was supposed to help referees' authorities, and it's actually taking it away from them. It is. I find the whole thing completely tedious now. I'm so bored of it, uh, especially this last two weeks. It's it's sucking the joy out of the game, Chris, and it's and it's making it's making fans doubt themselves now when they go at the match. You can't even celebrate a goal now. It's it's getting absolutely ridiculous. It it, it is. I mean, one thing I would say after this match is I think that. A, I think that actually the controversy helped Newcastle. I think they improved. Once there was that incident, now, now I know there should have been ahead, but I actually doesn't, think actually, no, 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 it doesn't do anything. Three points. It, it doesn't do anything for the game. But also, I also think it's it's allowed people to overlook what was a game Newcastle should have won anyway. Now I, I know they're two completely separate incidents, but if we just if we just focus on VAR, Newcastle should have won the game. Oh, yeah. Newcastle should have won the game regardless, mm-hmm. and they didn't. And that was through their own profligate finishing. That was through poor decision-making of their own accord. It was through some good goalkeeping. But I do think that we can't just say that Newcastle didn't win on Saturday because of that. Yes, they probably would have won. If if that goal stands, I think they probably would have won. But that isn't the only reason they didn't win on Saturday. That is probably the reason why they got a point last weekend as well. So, as George said, I'm not saying it's right that it's balancing out that you're getting poor decisions or good decisions here and there each week. But I don't think we can just talk about only that from Saturday. That wasn't the only reason Newcastle didn't win that game. Oh, no. That's totally fair. No, 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 that's totally fair. And I've always thought that. I mean, I I find, you know, I I, I tend to find those, like, individual moments in games very, very tedious when we're talking about a push or we're talking about a handball, we're talking about that sort of stuff. I would prefer to take a step back and sort of look at the picture and Chris is totally right. Newcastle had more than enough chances to win that game and to win it comfortably, particularly in the first half. Having said that, I think when something is so stupid as that incident was um i think it's fair that i think it's fair that we i think it's fair that we look at it and i think it's fair that we get angry about it because you know for me the the, the bigger picture about that is that it's spoiling it's spoiling football it's spoiling football for us as newcastle fans it's spoiling but it's also spoiling it for everybody there'll be times when newcastle are on the you know are on the right end of a bad decision but that's not you know that's not a good thing mm. and it shouldn't be the first thing that we're talking about it should be you know, it, we shouldn't be talking about it at all because it's supposed to be there to correct mistakes, and it's making more mistakes. And you know, it's just so annoying. 
It really is. It really is. Um, I'm I'm a bit I'm a bit unsure about what Patrick Vieira was watching. Mind with with his pre, uh, post match comments. It's just nonsense. I, I, it's just managers. I know it's, it's, I, know it's yeah. a, I know there's a win at all costs sort of uh, attitude towards these things now, and you don't want to be seen to be, uh, uh, you know, um, making some kind of statement uh, which which would have uh, taken your taken your team's points away or whatever. But um, he he he's come out and said afterwards that he thought it was a clear foul. Now, I'm sorry, but what are you watching? I mean, what, it, it, what are you watching? I mean, it is a it is a foul, but there's there's two fouls. It's a, it's on a, it's a, fa- it's a foul, it's a foul on, on Willock. Then, I mean, yes, and I agree, it is a foul on Willock. But I also think will it's not a foul anywhere else on the pitch if you push somebody let, into no, another let, player. Let, let, is me, it? let me finish what I'm going to say. I do think it's a foul on Willock, but I also think it's a minor nudge, and I do think Willock's momentum is taking him forward regardless. So I also mm, I also I think it's, it's not a minor nudge. Well, not, ha, ha, not how a came how came out and said after the game that that, that changes Willock's momentum, momentum, or takes him into the goalkeeper because of that. The first two angles, when you look from one side, you can't even see that there is a nudge. I agree it's a foul on Willock, but I also think Willock's momentum is taking him towards Gaeta anyway. I said I think it's a goal. Newcastle should have had the goal. It shouldn't have been disallowed. But I don't think it should have been a penalty for God disallowed. And I also don't think it wasn't like he went and absolutely shoved him completely, and so he had no option but to go into Gaeta. I don't think. Yeah, but like he didn't. He didn't have any Chris option. Is to in get, he didn't have any option to get out the way of Gator because he's been pushed, and he's pushed. He's pushed firmly. He's in midair. Yeah, he's pushed firmly. I, I, I know what you're saying. You I don't think it's a push he's, that takes you absolutely miles. I don't think it's a one of those. He couldn't have got out the way. He could not have got out the way. Moving at that speed and having been pushed like that, there's no way that he could have avoided the goalkeeper. Absolutely no way. And it doesn't. I can and, understand. And in, 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 in any case. The force of it doesn't matter. It's a foul. It's a foul in the box. It's a penalty. And it's not a I, mean, I don't I, think it's a penalty. I don't I, think it's I, a penalty. I think it's a it goal, is. but I don't think it's, it's a penalty. penalty. It's a penalty all day long. I don't think it's a penalty. Chris, if he if 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 he doesn't push Willock, does Willock head the ball in? No. I'll give up. No. How? How is that? I don't that? think. Because I think not? he's mis- I think he's, mis- he's I think he's misjudged the way that he's jumping. I don't he's think he's. I don't, the ball. I don't think he's meeting the ball. I don't think he's meeting the ball initially. But he's pushed him when he's in mid air. There's nothing Willock can do. He's already taken off to head the well, ball. Well, we'll just have to. And he's I'm, pushed I'm, him. I just if his feet are, if his feet sorry, are planted, I, I disagree. That's fine. You, you think that I think differently. That that's fine. That's that's when we're talking about these subjective decisions. This is where the subjective part of it comes into it. I don't think that that is that that a led to b in that regard. I think it was a goal. I think the goal should have stood, but I don't think just because if the if you rule the goal out for 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 whatever reason, I don't think that necessarily means it's a penalty afterwards. I do, that's my subjective decision. Fine that you disagree. I, that is just where I stand on this. Yeah, I can't get on with that. I'm sorry, <laughs> I can't. I think you. I think. I think you're both assholes. <laughs> I'm definitely an asshole. <laughs> I am definitely an asshole there. Oh, Chris. No, I, I. I know. I know. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. But the the the, the view of it and stuff. I just. I just. I think if he doesn't push him, he, he gets the ball or he nods it in or he makes contact. I think it's a goal and a penalty and I think Newcastle should have had two goals. And a red card and a handball. Yes. Newcastle should have been two goals up after that incident. Shall we draw Shall we draw a line under the, the VAR? Well, as long as, long as it's tra- not an offside. As long as it's not like an off, one of those offside lines because they annoy me very much as well. <laughs> just from Chris's armpit? Yeah, we can draw a line. Just a, an armpit but line. Just, so, just yeah. so you know, my head is leaning slightly over that line, Taylor. So... Yeah. Fair enough. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Okay, so we, we had a few changes in the starting 11, and Sven Botman and Fabian Scher returned to the back. Uh, I thought Botman had a good game. I thought he played really well, Chris. He looked pretty composed, and he had a couple of chances at goal as well, and, and, and it was good to see him and Scher back together again. Yeah, it seemed that, I mean, obviously he was rotating the centre-backs, but at least for the first five minutes, it seemed like the plan was, having no Bruno or Shelby, to have the centre-backs to play a lot of cross-field balls to try and switch play early. Ryan Fraser got a lot of the ball early on. And it sort of changed from that point. They, they weren't actually used as much going forward. I don't know whether that was because of the way Palace were playing and they disrupted that or for whatever reason, Newcastle attacked in different ways and, and created opportunities because of that. So fair enough, they, they did change that way. But yes, I mean, Botman looked very dangerous from, from uh, Newcastle attacking set pieces. I thought you can see what he can bring in the area in terms of nodding it back across to, to other players and, and creating things from that sense. I mean, I thought... I've done a piece sort of looking at the game and, and did a piece with uh, Rishane Thomas, which looked at the, although he sort of led it, but looking at the Vorenses. But then I did a piece actually looking at Newcastle United and where they are. And I mean, when Steve Bruce was in charge, I did a lot of pieces which sort of looked at um, basically that the underlying stats belied the actual reality of the of, of the results and what Newcastle fans were seeing and believing. And Newcastle, it felt unsustainable at the time, the way Newcastle were playing and the results that were coming from it. If you look at the underlying stats at the moment, and yes, we're only six games in, but two of those matches are against last season's top two, the underlying stats are completely different. Newcastle have the best attacking metrics in just about every aspect apart from goals since promotion back to the Premier League in 2017. They've actually averaged more shots on uh, shots per game since 2013-14 in the top flight, and they've had more shots on target per match since they qualified for the Champions League in 2002-2003. Wow. Possession is also up massively, and that includes playing against... There probably would be more than 50% if they hadn't played against Liverpool and Manchester City by this stage. So you can see the way Newcastle are evolving. And on Saturday, they did that without the three arguably most important players in attack in Bruno, San Maximan and Wilson. Also no Shelby, as we've already said. So the metrics suggest Newcastle are heading in the right direction. Now, some people have commented saying that that contributes to what how they feel and what they've seen. Other people have commented in the bottom saying, yeah, but Newcastle aren't winning matches. They're not scoring goals. And I fully appreciate that. This is all theoretical at the moment. But the direction of travel Newcastle are going in, you bring those three best players back into the team and I think Newcastle win on Saturday. And so... I am encouraged by what I've seen so far. They've only got one win in six. They haven't won since the opening day, but they've also only lost once. And I think that how we'll like the way that Newcastle are moving, the direction they're heading in, give Alexander Isak more time to train with the team. And I think Newcastle are heading in the right direction. Yeah, the attacking side of things are a lot better. Uh, however, we can't afford to be profligate given the... Uh at the creativity problems that we have at the minute, George and, and Alexander Isaac, probably the, the the most guilty of that, going through one on one with Guaida. But it's one of those where he's almost had too much time to think about what what to do, isn't it? Yeah, and um, you know we were all very very enthusiastic and excited after the impact he made at Anfield, but it was a very different, very different kind of game. And um, yeah, it did feel like you're sort of watching him bear down on goal, bear down on goal, too much time to sort of think about it and. He tried to sort of do that little dinky finish, which um, 
would have looked great if it had worked, but ah, uh, just blast it. I didn't hear John Anderson's comment. I'm sure it was something along. Sure, it was along that. And it was a difficult. It was a. Diff, it then turned out to be a very difficult afternoon for him. Actually, I mean, but not helped by the fact that he saw so such little of the ball, um, and that was something that Eddie Howe talked about afterwards. Referenced afterwards, Newcastle have got a different kind of player, and they've got to find a different way of mm-hmm. yeah. uh, making the most of him. I thought there were there were actually some very good performances. I thought Almiron yet again absolutely ran himself into oh, the ground, never stopped, did he? and never I mean, he just couldn't give any more. Chris is pulling faces, but he always does. But I thought he was good, and I and I and I know that. It'll be the same criticism about the final ball, but actually, I thought his his final ball was actually. I th- I, th- I thought there was better better there. It was just people weren't you know on the end of it. I know you can look at that two ways. I thought Jalinton was exceptional again, and Trippier's set pieces still cause problems. I think there's a a lot there to be. I mean, my main takeaway. This is slightly slightly changing the question or whatever, but I just thought Newcastle looked knackered by the end of it. Yes, yeah. You know, they're playing with such intensity. They uh, put so much work in at Anfield. They are still without those really important three players, attacking players, and I thought they they were tired. I was worried about that before the game. My hope was that you know against a decent team that they would get the win, and that that would then give them you know give the points total look far more I think reflective of the efforts put in this season, mm-hmm. and then give them time to regroup. And it just didn't quite happen. I thought I thought Newcastle kind of run run out of gas, but I don't. I don't blame them for that. I understand it. Yeah, it's seven points from six games, isn't it, Chris? And, and we have played two of the best teams in Europe. You have to be, you have to remember that when you look at that points total. But it is ever so slightly disappointing when you look at the games that Newcastle probably should have came away with uh, victories. Yeah, it feels like Newcastle haven't had the points returned for the performances that they've put in. But the priority going into the summer was to improve Newcastle in attack and output. They, ma- they managed to finally go and break the transfer record to bring in Alexander Isak, but they haven't is- addressed the issue in the wide positions. And I- and lose it. part of it was because they were without their three best players, as I've already mentioned. But you take that out, and suddenly the creativity for the dominance Newcastle had in terms of territory, in terms of opportunities to get the ball in the box, I still think that that final ball was lacking. I agree with you that Almiron ran himself into the ground again, but he had one real opportunity where he absolutely flashed an effort across goal when I think he, he should have at least hit the target. And I also think there were several times where his final ball wasn't good enough. That wasn't only Almiron, almost the entire team... Hit the post well, as well, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, but that, that was, a deflected, well. there was a deflected shot from the edge of the area. But yeah, he did. But the, 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 you have the likes of Fraser. I didn't think his. I didn't think he got in the game enough after the first ten minutes. He wasn't offering enough in that capacity. Joe that. Willock until the final fifteen minutes when he scored when he had the two efforts. I will caveat Joe Willock with the fact that he's played almost every minute this season, so he's probably knackered. But he wasn't really in the game. Joe Linton, I thought, had a very good first half. Then I thought he maybe his his influence waned a little bit. I agree that fatigue probably is taken charged with Newcastle and I also think that the Isak thing was big it was he hasn't trained with the team he hasn't and I I said before the match I thought it was going to be an interesting one to see how he would cope against a defence who was likely to sit a little bit deeper against Liverpool there was a high line Newcastle could play him in behind didn't really get that opportunity the one real chance I know he had three shots but the one real opportunity he got was actually self-created from his own pressing winning the ball from Anderson in terms of that effort I almost he likes that dink uh, finish as 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 uh, 
Alan Shearer mentioned in his piece last week, but I almost felt he needed to give himself a bit of an angle. He almost ran too straight. Yeah, he was too straight, wasn't he? Just take a touch. But but beyond that, and that seemed to drain his confidence a little bit, but he only had 20 touches. Newcastle didn't get him in the game enough. Second half, when they did get him, he put a a couple of very nice balls, one that almost got through to Willock. But actually, Elliot Anderson and Jacob Murphy... They came on the 70th minute together. Elliot Anderson had 22 touches, two more than Isak, and uh, Murphy had 19. So that shows you how little Newcastle managed to get him into the game and he couldn't quite get himself into the game. I think that will come in time as he trains more, as the, the players get used to his runs, he gets used to what they want to bring. But that's where, for all of their positive attacking intent, I didn't think the parts quite added up on Saturday. And I, th- I think the other thing to point out, as you know, Chris Chris mentions there, who who came on. I love the fact, by the way, that Elliot Anderson's oh, he was great. at the club and is getting and is getting game time. He just looks so confident. Um, really good, really good to see that. Jordi Maradona, as the corner was singing, um, which was which was nice. <laughs> Not to put any pressure on him, but you just have to look at that bench on Saturday. I mean, I think that gives some indication of where Newcastle are in terms of their. Uh, progress. There's not a lot on that bench to change a game, and three fullbacks. Yeah, it would look a bit different. <laughs> it would look a bit different if those three players are back. Granted, but and this is not a criticism. It's just you know Newcastle can't do absolutely everything all in one go in terms of transfers. They've done incredible business over two windows, two hundred million quid, and I think you know you you put those three players back amongst the first t- first eleven or in the in the squad, and Newcastle's first eleven looks really good. It looks very solid. There's a great spine there. There is creativity, perhaps not enough, but there is creativity and there are goals. I think once you're beyond that, that is the concern, that Newcastle don't yet have the resources to change games. So they're going to be very reliant on those first 11, first 12, first 13 players. So we've got to hope that they stay fit for as much as possible. Absolutely. And West Ham away next uh, and a slightly friendlier look in September. We, we, it feels like we've been playing two or three games a week for the last sort of three weeks. It, 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 the games have really piled up, haven't they? But it's quite welcome given the, the, the situation with regarding injuries it's and slight, stuff, Chris. And I was, sorry, I was going to say, it's slightly annoying that Newcastle have played those, have played City and Liverpool, who now go into Champions League matches I mean that's sort of a bit frustrating yeah but albeit that West Ham are in Europe but yeah I mean I think you can just tell that they're longing to get onto the training ground have a couple of days off um, and then start you know start again and take and take a breath Absolutely, and uh, as far as injuries go, Chris, are we uh, were we expecting to see anybody back this week? I asked Eddie Howe about this after the game and he didn't give a full time frame but he said that he hopes that, that Wilson, Sam Maximan and and Bruno will be back together. Uh, sorry, at some stage. He didn't say it would necessarily be together. He impl- from our understanding of where they are fitness-wise, I think there's a, there's a decent chance that Bruno and or Ansat Maximan could be back for West Ham. I think Wilson might be the weekend after or possibly the weekend after that. I don't think he's likely to be back. But I, I would, at this stage, it's looking hopeful that at least one of the other two will be back, if not both. Lovely stuff. Right then, chaps, let's move on. Just before we do, I'd like to say that VAR decision was a fucking joke uh, and it should have been a penalty as well if it wasn't, Chris. So that's enough of that. Two goals for Newcastle. Two goals, a red card, a handball, sending off uh, a ban, points deduction for everyone except us uh, and especially for Lee Mason. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Uh, You can subscribe to The Athletic 
at a price of just £1 a month for the first six months right now. To claim that offer, go to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and get access to all of our great writing as well as ad-free versions of The Athletic's podcasts. That's theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. Sign up now. Right then, George, as we said at the top of the show, you were at the ladies' game. I presume you were there in a tuxedo with a little bow tie, were you? You pulled up in your Aston Martin. I did, yeah, uh, I did. <laughs> so glad you could drop in. I can do all the... Um, I can... <laughs> oh, it's good, you can do all of no, them. No, I can't. Do Roger Daltrey. Roger Daltrey, he's the lead singer of the... Roger Daltrey, he's the singer of the who? Timothy Dalton. Oh, dear. Um... I've talked about this before. I watched all of the James Bond films during lockdown. I took it upon myself to watch them all in order, and I thought that would be... You are so Alan Partridge. I know. I thought that would be... It's I'm, not even funny I, how Alan Partridge you I are. thought that would be great, but... Um, and, you know, the early Sean Connery ones, of course, are brilliant. The early Roger Moore ones are brilliant. Yeah. It does get a big bog down when you get to Timothy Dalton, <laughs> and some of the later Pierce Brosnan ones are, are not good. But anyway, there you go. Slight digression. You're getting Bond wrong. So, uh, George, you uh, mentioned you were at the, the women's game. They suffered their first defeat of the season. Uh, Becky Langley was uh, incandescent with rage, apparently. Is that right? She was, yeah. So it's not the only one. They were play- no, anger is an energy this weekend. <laughs> I think it's fair to say that. They, they were 2-0 up and playing very well. There was a dreadful penalty decision that went against them at 2-1. Very difficult to see. One of the uh, Newcastle players kind of had arms around a, a whole player, but I mean, it's the kind of thing that if you give that decision, you're giving about 100 every single game. So it was, it was, uh, Becky was furious at half time, sort of approached the referee, came up on the pitch. Anyway, they were 2 0 up. They're also 3 2 up, and they've ended up losing 4 3. So as she said afterwards, you know, we've lost that game at both ends of the pitch, but it was a very strange afternoon of decisions. And so I've got sympathy with it. I was going to try and put a couple of minutes of of her talking on the podcast, but she was a little bit too angry for that. But um, we will we will we will do that. We will do that next time. But overall, it was it was. I mean, it's difficult to say that she she won't like you know like me saying this. I'm sure, but it was a really good game. It was a good occasion. There were two thousand people there this week, That's great, that which one. was fantastic. Fabulous atmosphere. And Amanda Staveley was there. Darren Eels, the new CEO, was there. As I mentioned, Steve Harper was there all watching, all taking part. And, um, you know, I was uh, I, I was with with Amanda and Darren Hills for some of it, and they're just so enthused about the women's team and what they can do to help. It's just very, very, uh, very, very encouraging. I've bought myself a season ticket for the women because, I mean, it's, it's, it's 30 quid a season. Fantastic. You can't go wrong for that. And um, it's just a great atmosphere. And at the end of that, at the end of it, after all that sort of disappointment, the team... Come over to the fans. They do selfies. They have pictures taken. They do autographs. They chat with people. It's a brilliant atmosphere. They play good stuff. They're trying really hard, and um, they'll get better and they'll bounce back. And um, yeah, I would encourage it for everybody. Particularly, I mean, I don't have kids, so maybe I'm misspeaking, but there are a lot of families there. It feels like a great way to get kids involved, particularly girls. I would, you know, for obvious reasons, to get them involved in 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 watching football. Hopefully, taking part in football as well, getting inspired to do that, 
and um, you know it's relatively it's relatively cheap compared to to the men's game. So I loved it. I'm going to be as regular as I can be this season, and I want to get uh, I want to get Becky on more. It's very encouraging, Chris, isn't it, to see so many people now taking an interest in the women's game. And of course, they've been brought into uh, the club officially now, and, and and hopefully it's going to give them the boost to push on over the forthcoming seasons. Definitely, and it, it, it was good that, that th- finally fixture scheduling has worked in their favour in terms of not at the same time as the men's team were playing. Yeah. That is good. People, I'm sure there would have been more the week before in, in, in earlier weeks if, if they'd been able to, but Newcastle United men's were playing, and therefore a lot of people would have won wanted to watch that having the opportunity to watch both is wonderful or either or whatever it is that you prefer hopefully there'll be some uh women or even men growing or young lads growing up who will maybe want to watch the women's even ahead of the men's they may have that might be more of their feel if they go along to a game at kingston park that might be something that grabs them no i'm gonna i'm gonna go with george at some point in the course of the next few weeks i'd like to go along as well yeah, yeah. and it's just I think I'd, like, I'd like to go to a game let's have a pot on the time yeah. afternoon now but it's great it feels like i mean this this may sound stupid or patrick I really don't want it to do. It, it feels like you're watching Newcastle United, and it's it's great. And finally, they are good. you know officially part of the club. It feels like an extension of us, of you, uh, of me, and all that, and which is which is great. I properly invested in that match. It was it, I was I was jumping up and down uh, with both fury and um, and excitement. It was it was great. You can have a drink. It's yeah, as I say, it's a great place. Oh yeah, then, of course and, you can. You can have a pint in view of the yeah, pitch, can't you? Because they treat you like a grown up. Yeah, it's at, at it's um, it's really good. It's really good fun. And yeah, they're playing. They're playing at Borough this midweek. So good luck. Good luck, lasses, and uh, hope they bounce back. Absolutely, and, and there is a clamour for tickets for the men's games at the minute, and, and a lot of people are missing out on getting to go to those games. So if you have a free afternoon and you want to go and see a Newcastle United team play, no better place to go uh, than go and watch the ladies' team. Uh, right then, uh, more exciting St James's Park news. Uh, Sam Fender has announced that he's going to be doing a massive stadium gig at St James's Park on the 9th of June 2023. This uh, was uh, announced and uh, it was one of the worst kept secrets uh, <laughs> in show business, wasn't it? As he appeared on the pitch on the day that Alexander Isak uh, signed for Newcastle, Sam Fender was there with his guitar and his uh, saxophone player as well. And then subsequently, the news has came out that the gig is going to happen on the 9th of June, the most Geordie of all the days, George. And yeah. it's uh, it's great to see a local lad doing well. Uh, and I'm sure it's going to be a brilliant occasion. Yeah, there was that lovely moment at, at halftime on, on Saturday when War Flags put banners up across the other end of the pitch and, and Sam Fender and his band were there and Johnny Blueheart, I think he, I think he is. The did, loudest saxophone yeah, yeah, in the world. Did. That was so loud. It Actually, was brilliant, I mean, for future matches, I wish that had been done just before kickoff because it was hairs, hairs standing up on the back of the it neck, was, actually. Yeah. With that noise, it was it was just absolutely beautiful. You can imagine all the lights off. Not that I'm telling him what he should do in a year's time, but all the, all the lights off at St James's Park, just that that blasting out, and then um, yeah. Anyway, he is a, he's a phenom- phenomenon. Sam Fender, he's brilliant. Geordie Springsteen, wish him nothing but uh, nothing but the best, and that is going to be. I'm definitely going to try and go. Yeah, can't wait for that. You fancy that, Chris? We fancy a pod on the time, Dio? Uh, no, I'd very, I'd, very much, I'd very much fancy that. It turns out Eddie Howe actually likes Sam Fender as well. He'd admit this in his press conference on Friday. Not not quite as much as Aha. Eddie Howe is a very dedicated Aha fan. And he he, he did... when he's his 80s synth pop. Yeah, he was asked again about this on Friday. And he said he, he was he, he's such a, a big Aha fan. He was going to be going to a gig 
earlier this summer, which was cancelled because I think one of the singers was ill. And it turns out that AHA have cancelled about four gigs in 30 years, and the one that Eddie Howe was going to go to was oh, cancelled no. despite him being an absolutely huge AHA fan. But yeah, if, Ed, if Eddie Howe and the team... On you, the fancied, board, yeah. you fancied that gig as well, didn't you, Chris? There was an idea from someone in our office that maybe I should go I should go along to the gig and see how Eddie Howe was bopping along, which I was very much against. So thankfully I was I was, oh, I was quite happy the gig oh, was, I was quite on, happy the Chris. gig was cancelled. So You don't I give I'll do this job. Do give me your job. I'll go and watch Aha with Eddie Howe. No, well, no, no, it Come wasn't on. necessarily that Eddie Howe would know, but it was almost like spying on Eddie Howe from the back you of just it. Stand behind him and watch him. <laughs> With like a newspaper with with eye holes cut out yeah. of it. What have we learned from watching Eddie Howe dance along to Take On Me? <laughs> uh, I think he probably prefers Sun Always Shines on TV yeah. to Take On Me. He's, a, he's he's more of a purist. Cry Wolf. So he's, he's he's not, that's a great tune, uh, Morton Hogan. Oh. Fantastic. He was a hen, he was a handsome and slender man as well. Very wasn't he, handsome, George? very slender. Yeah, properly <laughs> properly handsome. Yeah, cheekbones you could slice cheese on. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Sam Fender, 9th of June, uh, tickets on sale on Friday and the pre-sale on Wednesday, which I've got myself signed up for. Let's see if we can get into that one. It'll be a great occasion. Uh, also, just before we finish, we've got to say congratulations to Alanson Maximum for winning Goal of the Month on Match of the Day. His strike against Wolves. The volley as the ball drops out of the sky. Was it a shinner, Chris? The most perfect shinner you've ever seen. But <laughs> Trippier was nominated as well, Excellent. wasn't he? For his free kick, I think. Was he? He was, yeah. yeah. Well, why wasn't Fabian Cher nominated? Because it was exactly the same thought, as the one. Yeah, yeah it was exactly yeah. the same as the one he'd done before. <laughs> it's like, you can't you can't give it you can't give it twice. Surely that's that's you've got to give him some kind of Award for that. Which uh, players ever scored the same goal, exact same goal twice? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I can't think of anyone. That's good. Yeah, should have. Yeah, Alan might have done it. Alan scored so many that he must have scored the same one twice. Yeah, yeah, good goals though. Could do with a few more of those, couldn't we? Very good. Yeah, I wonder how many VAR are going to get rid of over the years. I wonder if, uh, how, oh. many, how many how uh, many goal of the months we're going to lose to stupid. Just allow them three weeks later when they're being nominated for goal of the month. <laughs> yeah, you're not having that. Take it back. Uh, anyway, chaps, uh, that's it. Anything else to add before we close things up for the well, day? Well, do we do we need to make our peace? Uh, no, because we never fell out. Uh, it's a disagreement. Well, gotta... These things happen. We're all big boys. We 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 know what uh, we know what this is all about. We don't have to agree on everything. The world would be a boring place, wouldn't it, Chris? If uh, if we agreed on everything, it would be. And we all we all agreed that I was right, so we don't need to have this conversation. No, anymore, you so. are wrong, but that's not Chris, the point. You were born wrong. You were born wrong. <laughs> Go and go and squirt some deodorant in your own face again. Oh my word! Right, thank you very much, chaps. Uh, it's been—I uh, was going to say fun, but it's been interesting. It's been therapy. That's what it's been. It's been therapy, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's been very, very real. Thanks a lot for listening uh, out there. Uh, of course, uh, theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod for access to all of our great writing, as well as ad-free versions of the Athletics podcast at just one pound a month for the first six months and if that's not value then I don't know what is thank you very much for listening we'll be back very soon from myself George and Chris and everyone at Pod on the Time thanks a lot take care bye bye James fucking Bond, honestly. <laughs> Should have got the spec savers. 
I admire your luck. Mr. Culkin. Yeah, the incredible Culkin. You have a nasty habit of surviving. I've never said that. Do you lose as gracefully as you win? Yeah, I've got a hangover, actually. My name is Pussy Galore. What? Why are, you, why, are you, why are you talking to me? I'm not ready to engage with anything. <laughs> That's not funny, 007. I'm glad that's done with. The Athletic.